Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that we have never threatened anyone with a sweet gum stick. Other types of sticks, maybe, but never a sweet gum stick. Today's title is The Surrender Heard Round the World. I am your host, Brent Taylor. At my side is the co-pilot for the ride, mm-hmm. Jason Donner. Yeah. Why'd you capitalize ride? Because it's that important. It's a proper noun. Yeah, we just made it. We're like, like the, founding cult. Father. the founding fathers did that. They, they capitalized everything. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so we're being like them. Stupid founding fathers. <laughs> uh, send mail to 4810 Alvin Barkley Drive <laughs> in care of Jason Donner. Because I slammed uh, Jefferson? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. In this episode of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will examine the surrender of British forces at Yorktown. We had a Kentuckian there to witness it. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. School days are danger days for American girls. Often physical collapse follows and it takes years to recover the lost vitality. Sometimes it is never recovered. Perhaps they are not overcareful about keeping their feet dry. Through carelessness in this respect, the monthly sickness is usually rendered very severe. Headaches, faintness, slight vertigo, pains in the back and loins, irregularity, loss of sleep and appetite, a tendency to avoid the society of others are symptoms all indicating that the organs that make her a woman need immediate attention. Lydia E. Pinkham's vegetable compound has helped many a young girl over this critical period. With it, they have gone through their trials with courage and safety. With its proper use, the young girl is safe from the peculiar dangers of school years and prepared for healthy womanhood. Boy, oh boy. I'm going to let you step right into that minefield, Jason. You you pick these out. They're They're becoming regular. Right on this first ad, or maybe irregular. something a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't pretend to know what that's like, but again, these old ads like they're not clear what's going on for a while. <laughs> Still don't know what do you do with the compound. <laughs> Apparently, you take it, and then your all your womanly troubles are what? going to be washed aside. Yeah, and she are they saying that if your feet are wet, it makes it worse? Correct, you got to keep those feet your dry. Your feet are wet, yeah. What's that got to do with it? I don't know. I That's not true. I this kind of thing about if you stay out in the rain, you'll catch a cold. Uh-huh. Even though there's nothing, nothing about germs with that. It has nothing to do with the menstrual cycle. You can say it, Brent. Say menstrual cycle, Brent. <laughs> he can't say it. No, I shall never say it. Anyway. I'll allow you to say it. This, this is a, I mean, it's a perfectly natural thing to do. But I'm not sure what vegetables are going to do for you. But I guess it's better than anything, or it's as good as anything else. You know how it is. Vegetables are going to keep your vitality. Vi- strong, my right? vitality is drained. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. But what's the school it. days? School days are danger days for American girls. What does that mean? I guess there's it's stressful. They're at school, and so now you're at school, and you're all stressed. You're standing out. in water most to, of the you day. You had to walk in water to get to school. Right. Right. Without shoes. Because this is pre-school or a towel. bus. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. preschool bus. So you're gonna you're gonna get wet sometimes going to school. <laughs> no way. Them wet feet. <laughs> what does that got to do? Anyway. Yeah, the wet feet. <laughs> That's the whole thing, right? It's just just a non sequitur. I wonder if there really is slight vertigo. Surely not. A little slight vertigo. You know, probably not so bad. <laughs> like really severe vertigo. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't even walk around like that, yeah. can you? What is that exactly? When the world spins? That's what yeah, I Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you're all disoriented and, and uh, dizzy. Isn't that it? Vertigo? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but in a way that's kind of in a circle. <laughs> you brought it up. Circular dizziness. Circular dizziness. <laughs> she looks pretty unhappy, this cartoon of a girl. Uh, yeah. Just you, hanging. She's going she's gonna to need this vegetable ar- compound in a hurry. Yeah, she's just lounging on the couch waiting for her compound. <laughs> Isn't that all of us at some point? You're just waiting for your compound. None of these people are real. Lydia E. Pinkham, just a made up. <laughs> you think it's some some guy named Charles? Oh, it's all corporate. Got a cigar. It's a, it's a team of. They've got a team of advertising experts. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably onto something. Yeah, there. we we uh, focus grouped this name Lydia Pinkham, and it, uh-huh. that was the one that most people preferred. All right. Well, you really had to read back then to read an ad. I mean, it was not short. None of them. That's hard. That's hard to believe. They could get you to read that much. I copy. know it is. Other people didn't. Was reading that? I mean, I guess the, obviously the newspaper had more value in people's lives. They'd probably read it a lot. Yeah, maybe it's they a got lot the of entertainment and the time to read these ads. Yeah, that must be it because it's that's a lot of copy. That's yeah. what we played right there. That will not is twenty five percent of the ad actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you see the whole the, the rest of it there. Right. Yeah, it's unbelievable, the kind of patience that they did have. That's true. Now it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. So we have talked with Daniel Trebu before. I don't know if you remember. We did some hard mm-hmm. winter stuff with him. Okay. Where they had the snow everywhere oh, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, his uh, his thoughts on it, he kind of captured the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. read him. So he's a frontiersman. Mm-hmm. And like so many of these guys, they are kind of civilians, but then they're also warriors. And this is the American Revolution. And now he's found himself here at Yorktown mm-hmm. for the last, quote unquote, major engagement of the Revolutionary War. You can't ever say last battle because there was a little bit of action afterwards right. that, that didn't really amount to much. But this is the big one. This is the one where the British realized it's over. Now, at before it started, did people suspect that that's going to happen? Or like it, it was up in the air. They didn't know this was going to be the end. Or, it didn't, or did yeah, it feel like, oh, they got I, I us already? I think not because the British had been on a little bit of a roll before this. Uh-huh. They had had gone into something called the Southern Strategy. And it had right. really been very successful, at least in the beginning stages of it. They went through Georgia, no problem. They had some success in South Carolina. Yeah, and there's, but there's not nearly as much army and people right. as there is in the North. Right. And so now what's happened was he ran into a little more trouble, Cornwallis did. Mm-hmm. And he's found himself on the Yorktown Peninsula. And I think they thought that that was okay because the British owned the water. Only they didn't own the water anymore because at this point the French have showed up. 
Right, yeah. And this is the most French guy you'll ever encounter. The Comte de Grasse. The Comte de Grasse. <laughs> right? So this guy the shows up, defeats the British out there uh-huh. in the water. Right. And so now he's got these armies bearing down on him from land. And that's how he got all yeah. trapped there on the peninsula. So let me ask you this just generally. I mean, England and France were going at it, you know, yeah. for hundreds and hundreds of years in different locations all over the world. Just America, French involvement, did it make the difference or could we have done it without them? If you're looking That's at Yorktown, a big bite. Yeah. if you're looking at Yorktown, you almost have to say the difference because there's Comte de Grasse. Mm-hmm. Then there's Washington, but then there's also Rochambeau, Uh that's French, (laughs) and the Marquis de Lafayette. Uh Yeah, they're all in our army. Three of the four big names here are Mm -hmm. French. And if you look at a map of Yorktown, there's some French units and some American units, and they're they're kind of interspersed there. But you definitely don't have them surrounded without those French units. Right, okay. So it'd be hard to argue against... For, at least for this engagement. You know, we had to do it a lot by ourselves in the beginning. But at the end, it's kind of like the French are putting you over the top. Yeah. But it's not that they just uh, do this with England. They, there's a strategic reason they wouldn't want England to have this much resource. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And it's not just like a personal thing between the two countries. We, this is what we do. <laughs> you know, this is, this is a lot of property, a lot of value here that we want to keep out of your hands. There is, and they did want revenge because of the French and Indian War. Yeah. So this is yeah. perfect payback. You get together with us. <laughs> you, 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 right. You take England down. They lose it all. Yeah, yeah. You're you're taking a huge bite out of their empire, and that's kind of what it was. That the stakes are that high, mm-hmm. at least potentially, and of course, in the long run, they were. So we got Trebu here, and he gets to see the big moment. This is one of the big moments in all of world history mm-hmm. because this is the one where England realizes that it's not going to happen. So let's let him tell the story a little bit. General Washington and Lord Cornwallis sent several dispatches to each other before they finally concluded the capitulation. I think it was the second day they finished the matter and agreed on a certain day they would march out and ground their arms. The day agreed on was, I think, two days hence. The news went far and near, and a vast number of people from different towns in the country came forward to see the great and mighty sight. So it's going to be kind of a spectacle thing. Sure. They're both. What are they both going to show up? Actually, uh, I think oh, I know what happens. Yeah, you've seen this story somewhere, <laughs> I think I right? Know. So. Yeah. The whole, so we got all these rules of warfare, and you noticed how that we were negotiating and going mm-hmm. back and forth, and we got to get the terms just right, and you know we're going to surrender, but it's only going to be under these circumstances, right? So we, so we do all. Do that. we keep our weapons? Do we keep our flag? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have to get rid of them? Are we going to take them? What do you do with the prisoners? There's all these things are negotiated, and so they uh, the other rule with is that if you are the commander, and you lose, uh-huh. you're supposed to take your sword right. and give it to the guy who bested you. Mm-hmm. Well, Makes sense, symbolic, and also a little humiliating, as it should be. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, you lost. You lost, and so now you're going to do this thing right. as a symbol to show that you've <laughs> lost. Rub, rub it in there just a little bit. Yeah. 
And the attitude of these British officers, we have to realize that they're nobility. So they're the upper crust of society. And now these nobodies Mm -hmm. like George Washington have pulled this off. He doesn't want to just give his sword to some nobody. Right. So he sent a go colonials. Oh, hadn't considered the British (laughs) accent. I'll do that from now on. (laughs) Lord Corny. They probably just called him Corny. Oh, oh, Corny. Oh, Corny. (laughs) (laughs) They did have nicknames like that. Fizzlebottom (laughs) Corny. Exactly right. So he can't can't even bring himself to do that. So that's the attitude here just starting out is... We did, We cannot believe this has happened. Yeah, you might have heard the song. It's especially that was embarrassing. Played. Yeah, yeah. It, the world turned upside down, and that's what the British band is playing because they can't believe it. Cornwallis can't believe it. Nobody mm. can believe it. They're depressed. <laughs> well, they are. They've <laughs> lost. The British had a very large gate in the south side of their fort, and on that side was a level old field. Our army was placed in a solid square column about half a mile or more around the fort gate. It was a great sight. Part of our line was Continental troops, part was militia, and part was French. So just as we discussed. On the outside of this column of soldiery was a vast number of spectators, mostly in carriages such as chariots, phaetons, chairs, and gigs, also some common wagons. The carriages were full of gentlemen, ladies, and children, besides a number on horseback and some on foot. Some had come as far as the city of Richmond, which was upwards of 70 miles. There were many thousands of these spectators. So that's a fun event to go to. Uh, are they, uh, like, so the word's out. Yeah, the word's out. They have out. a date and time set for this. Yeah, we got this guy pinned down. Mm-hmm. You know, two days from now, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, the okay. show is really going to start. And so that's giving people just enough time, apparently, to get on down here and see what's going on. General Washington and some of the officers, with their aides, were about the center of this vast column, immediately before the gate, and about one to two or three to four um, quarters of a mile distance. So half a mile, three quarters of a mile. About the middle of the day, the big gate opened and the Redcoats marched out by platoons in a solid column with some of their officers. Our officers, soldiers, and spectators said, Did you ever see the like? And many words were spoken, but not loud. So it's kind of like this library situation. Where like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here they come, marching in. <laughs> we're getting our money's worth for getting on out yeah. here. It was the most tremendous and most admirable sight that I ever saw. The countenances of our officers and soldiers all seemed to claim some credit for the great prize. And the countenances of the spectators seemed to say also that they deserved credit. It was truly a wonderful sight to see so many British coming out in their red coats to ground their arms. They marched straight up to General Washington and gave up their swords and ground their arms or stacked them and then returned to the fort. They were to be hereafter taken to Winchester. And that's a, a pretty big deal. We're going to ground our weapons. And we actually know the exact spot where that took place. There's, it's on a military map. And you can see right there yeah. that this is the field where, where this particular part of the ceremony mm-hmm. took place. But Washington's not here yet. Or uh, is yeah. it? Uh, let's see here. He's, I don't did know. It, did it say? I, mean, I don't know if it said yet. 
about the timing of that? I would think that he would uh, come out after uh, Cornwallis. Oh, no? let them do their thing, let them, and then you do your thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I don't know if it if it's giving us that exact timeline or not. Let me ask you another question about this. I've always wondered, like, okay, you're in the battle in Cornwallis. Um, surrenders. Yes. And you've already said, you know, England's realized that they can't win. Is that a real decision that he own, alone in the moment makes, and he has the power, or he has an understanding of other people involved? I mean, they can't communicate quickly, so how does that work? The ultimate decision is in London. Yeah. So they've got to actually get word of this first, which is going to take gotta get, a long time. Get word. Yeah. And then they've got to make a decision, and then they've got to get the word back. Right. And you'll notice that there's a big delay between Yorktown and then the Treaty of Paris. So you're, you're okay. talking about a nice big gap there in terms of time, just mm. because everything is so slow. Yeah, so slow. Yeah. Our officers and soldiers mostly went to their tents, while a few advanced near the fort to guard the prisoners. That night, I noticed that the officers and soldiers could scarcely talk for laughing, and they could scarcely walk for jumping and dancing and singing as they went about. That's fun, right? <laughs> They're happy now. <laughs> There was a Colonel Smith from our county who was on parole. He said to his countrymen, boys, retaliate. Yikes. Rem <laughs> Remember Sutbury's old field. These are the very men that plundered our men and used them so badly. Plunder them, mm -hmm. but do not be caught at it, as your officers would not sanction it. Don't let George see you. Uh -huh. But go in there and take all their stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. what they did to us, yeah. And there was a number of them plundered, sure enough. The Continental officers and soldiers guarded the gates of the fort, and none of the militia were allowed to go in the fort. One reason was the smallpox was bad there. I had a relative who was a Continental officer. He was Lieutenant John Trebu. The very next day, I went with him all over the fort. It seemed to be nearly one mile in length, by a quarter mile in width. It was truly a dreadfully shocking sight. And see how he capitalized dreadfully mm -hmm. for no good reason? Just like we capitalized that's, right. Or, or we, uh, maybe that's the way they underline things. Yeah. Or bold. Yeah. yeah. To see the damage of our, our bombshells had done. So everybody's in the fort, their fort. They put down their arms. They're prisoners now. So now you're just kind of walking around? Milling around, waiting for things to happen yeah. and become official and so forth. When a shell fell on the ground, it would sink under the ground so deep that when it burst, it would throw up a wagon load or even more of dirt. <laughs> right. That's kind of a fun way to think about those cannons. Right? Yeah. To get a little detail on exactly what's happening. And when it fell on a house, it tore it to pieces. Sure. The British had a number of holes and pits dug all over the fort some large and some small, with timber in the top edge. When the soldiers would see a shell coming near them, they could jump in one of the pits and squat down until it had burst. They had some large holes underground where Lord Cornwallis and some of the nobles stayed. They called them bomb-proof, but with all their caution, a vast number of them were killed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they weren't well, exactly I mean, bomb-proof right. after all. <laughs> it's just a bigger hole. Uh, yeah, right. I have been told by some of the soldiers since that there was always someone on the watch. They could see a shell coming, and at times there was dreadful scampering, and sometimes 
They would come so often they were much beset. Mr. Jacob Phillip told me a while before they surrendered, they lost 40 men every hour. They threw a number of their arms and cannon in the deep water. So apparently they're... I don't know exactly what that means. I think maybe they, they yeah, sense well, attach that. Yeah, that there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they sense maybe that they might lose this and they don't just, want that to be captured and used yeah, against them. Yeah, just ditch the them. weapons. Yeah. Something like that. I guess so. Don't leave the equipment behind. Of course, if they're the dead too, you know, they could, there are extra arms that there are no men to use. So, you know, if people are dying 40 every hour. Uh, yeah, they could be partly kind of like an attrition. I think they're kind of like prepping for it. They're like, <laughs> could be. I got a feeling this is yeah. going to end badly. Yeah, maybe it's dawning on them, and hence that's the policy. Something like that. he doesn't explain it, so it's yeah. up to us to guess. When a shell would fall on any hard place, so that it would not go under the ground, a soldier would go to it and knock off the fizz or uh-huh. neck. Yeah, and then it would not burst. The soldier then received a shilling for that act. So this is like the bomb squad. Yeah, he goes over, he yanks the fuse out real quick. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> they said they did not care much about their life, but that the shilling would buy spirits. So, you know, hey, it's a little dangerous, <laughs> but I yeah. get a bonus for it, so why not? I'm going to go drink. There were a number of slaves in the fort engaged in filling up these holes in the ground, and making all things look as smooth as possible. Slavery is legal in the British Empire until 1833. Mm-hmm. So we've noticed that here. So they brought them along for labor. Yes. The British officers and Tories looked much dejected as they had sad countenances. As I saw them passing, I hardly heard them say a word. I thought the English soldiers and Hessians did not seem to care much about it. So that's kind of an interesting societal thing right there. Yeah. The soldiers, the rank and file soldiers are just the commoners of England. Yeah. The officers are the nobles. So only the officers seem to be truly, truly invested in all this. Yeah. The Hessians, of course, are paid mercenaries, so they don't care. Right. And as long as they get the paycheck. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense that the people most in charge would be the most... Um, like I said, humiliated or just, you know, sad that we lost here and yeah. this is not going to look good. Yeah. Yeah, they've got the most on the line, it would appear. Everything in the fort looked gloomy and sad. Lord yeah. Cornwallis, <laughs> that's, that's interesting, yeah. right? Gloomy and sad. Lord Cornwallis and his other officers looked not only sad, but ashamed. Yes. That's interesting, too. Mm-hmm. They had lived under the ground like hogs. The slaves looked condemned, for the British had promised them their freedom, but instead of freedom, they made them haul wagons by hand with timber to build their works and made them work very hard with spades. Mm -hmm. I left their fort and went to our army. And what a great contrast our men presented. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're dancing around. (laughs) Yeah, they're laughing. (laughs) They were pert and lively. What a sentence. And still rejoicing. Oh, yeah. We sold our spirits very fast. The British and French had plenty of hard money. A little before uh, that day, Brother Edward and I, with our wagon, started to go to Williamsburg. We took some of our guard with us, As we had 12 miles to go, we went along at a good trot and got there one hour of the sun. I called on a rich merchant to get some things, 
and paid him good in good gold. It came near to four hundred dollars. That's a lot of money back yeah, then. Yeah, that would be. I got back to our tent by the very middle of the day. By night, we sold up to two hundred dollars in good money. We loaned money to a number of our acquaintances who needed it to buy shoes and other necessary articles. The British soldiers had clothing and blankets to spare, <laughs> since they're not going to be fighting a war anymore. Yeah. And sold them to our men very low. So this is like the end of the war clearance sale. Do all these uh, captured British soldier, soldiers um, they're just sent back home? Or do they spend some time in prison? That all gets negotiated. There might be Typically, like though, different if you're versions released, of that. The, the whole thing yeah. is... The guys get to go home. They leave their weapons. Yeah. That appears to be what the stipulations were here, although he didn't exactly say. Yeah. Yeah. The next morning, preparations were made to start off with our prisoners to Winchester, Virginia. All our soldiers and the French were not needed to go with the prisoners, so only a part of the militia went with them. A number of backwoods riflemen wanted to sell their guns, one young man applied to me and said, I live in Rockbridge County, am sick and want to go home. I will sell my gun for 20S. I, I don't know if that's shillings, maybe. Yeah. I saw tears in his eyes, so gave him $10 for it. After I got home, I sold it for 15 Okay. So we're, we're making all kinds of money here well, at the end of this. There's, there's like more the people around. Yeah. This morning, we started off with the prisoners. I was told that when all were together at Yorktown, namely the French fleet, the French infantry, and spectators and Tories, they exceeded one million souls. That would be something. We went 12 miles and got to Williamsburg and encamped near the town on the east. The British encamped near a small stream. Their tents were not near each other, so our men encamped all around them. Their sentries were about 50 yards distant. The British general and field officers were mounted, but the subalterns and soldiers were afoot. They had baggage wagons to carry their baggage. You don't think about this logistical stuff when you think about armies. <laughs> but yeah, got but you got to have wagons. Uh huh. You got to have clothing. That's your luggage. <laughs> right. The officers still wore their swords and went about as they pleased. Our wagon and tent were on the big road within 200 miles of the town. The next morning, a Mr. Day came to our tent and said he was steward to Sir Patton Skippeth. Is that the most British guy you've ever heard of? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Sir Patton Skippeth. <laughs> and the horse that Colonel Tarleton... So this is Bannister Tarleton. Mm -hmm. and if That's his seen, name? Bannister Tarleton? Yes. He's Did a little it? bit famous. Um, Bannister. If you have seen The Patriot, the bad uh, guy... Yes. Yeah. I was going to bring up The Patriot because all I'm thinking about here is... Uh, Cornwallis, you know, okay. he's a big part of that movie. Yes. And some of the scenes he's depicted talking, you know, you get to uh, get a sense of that. Okay. And then the bad guy in that movie is is based on yeah. Bannister Tarleton. Uh-huh. I think they called him Tavington it's, or yeah, something. Yeah, it's different, but it's close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the bad guy. They changed the syllable. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched that movie so many times. I was going <laughs> to get into that later about yeah. uh, Cornwallis. But in, part of that was he was concerned about they captured his luggage. This was before the surrender, but like... Can I get my stuff back? It's <laughs> right. of a personal nature, he called it. <laughs> yeah, all those rules of warfare and you make the little, the yeah. little deals. But then and so there's forth. some, yeah, there's some uh, polite 
Um, just decency, I guess, is what he was asking for. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very gentlemanly when it gets mm-hmm. into those kind of situations. So this guy uh, said that the horse that Colonel Tarleton was riding belonged to his master. That moreover, the horse was worth five hundred pounds, and he had come all the way from Dan River determined to get it. Mister Day went into a marshy place nearby and cut him a sweet gum stick as thick as a man's wrist. It was not long before the mighty Colonel Tarleton, with his servant, came riding along in high style. Was he going to hit him with the stick? (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of the setup, right? Mr. Day was in the road and said, Good morning, Colonel Tarleton. This is my horse, Dismount. Holding the horse, he drew his cudgel as if to strike. Colonel Tarleton jumped off quicker than I ever saw a man in my life. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, whatever. It's all over with. Well, I right. Care. Mm-hmm. Mr. Day went off in a very long trot through Williamsburg. Colonel Tarleton went on to the tavern about a hundred yards distant, took his servant's horse, and went back to the headquarters. Oh, how we did laugh to think how the mighty man that had caused so much terror and alarm in Virginia had been made to jump off the wrong side yeah. of his horse so quickly. Yeah. With nothing but a sweet gum stick <laughs> and a chunky, chunky little, little man, man against him. <laughs> right. <laughs> While he, who was a tall, large, likely man, had a fine sword by his side. So this is kind of like a huge joke, right? Oh, this guy's well, getting his comeuppance. But it's just, yeah, it's a satisfying moment. Yeah. Um, because you see this, you know, the officer on the horse, and there's this regular guy <laughs> with a stick. <laughs> Super he's regular, like, He's right? essentially saying, get off that horse or you're going to get it. And then he does. So it's kind of, uh, it depicts um, where it's like a symbol of the whole war. Ooh. Or the end of the war, yeah. I guess. But still, all of it. Because they're colonials. <laughs> Even the really rich ones. Kind did, of like a did, microcosm. Would the yeah. British not think of the really, I guess, the elites, the rich people, the landowners? They, they mean, they considered them contemporaries and equals. Not, not exactly. the nobility, maybe. No, the they wouldn't so, see Washington that way or Jefferson. No. So the the these people who have made good here in the colonies, they get a lot of money and everything, but. They don't have the title. Yeah, they don't have that lordship. They don't have the family lineage. Mm-hmm. All that's the stuff that counts back in right. Europe. And they don't have exactly what counts. Yeah. So they're – even the names, right? So we'd, we were always con- considered ourselves equal and, and British uh, subjects and all this stuff. Right, yeah. But these names, right, Continentals. Mm-hmm. That means you're from over there. Yes, yes. And you're just not as cool as the people who were born on this little tiny piece of land. True. Right. Yeah. Just I mean, I'm not, ag- I'm not agreeing with it, but I see. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah, it, it is. It's just not going to be the same as, like you said, nobility and um, yeah, that history like, behind it's it. It's like you're not Even an official if British subject yeah. because you're from over there somewhere. You know, um, in The Patriot, there's a really in- interesting moment where uh, Cornwallis I, – I know this is fiction, but where he kind of chastises, uh, well, Taffington or whatever that guy's name was. Yeah. But in it, he said something interesting. He said, these colo- – you'll remember this. I think you probably watched it 50 times like me. <laughs> <laughs> he says, these colonials are our brethren. And when this conflict is over – remember that line? Okay. They'll reestablish commerce. So he didn't want – to abuse them, or at least as it's depicted in the movie, but right. in that sense, 
they're still they saw them as English subjects for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they're their friend. They are going to trade with us later. You know, when this is all over. Right, and that did happen. Yeah, sure, of course. If you look, there's um, we had the resources. Yeah, they had the need. We've got some colonial stats, and it's really amazing. So the trade was high, 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 high. The war happens. There's no trade, and then as soon as the war's over, the trade is right (laughs) Right. back to where it was. It was. It's pretty crazy. I guess it's the trade is who you know. Uh-huh. You know, you've got all those connections established. Well, there's still uh, English speakers for one thing. They're uh, most of them were um, descended from maybe of not course. from Briti- uh, British, half, Irish. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them. Were Some are going to be English. Yes. Yeah, just Europeans. Yeah. Okay. So you get that totally right. As we passed through the town at breakfast about eight o'clock, we saw the windows and the doors full of people, and often heard the remark. The British officers do not look as saucy as they did. <laughs> That's pretty great. Jante. I might start using that, right? They're not as saucy as they used to be over there. Yeah. Even the ladies <laughs> remarked as they waited along the roadside no to see Colonel attitude. Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, and Colonel Tarleton. With their soldiers passed by, before we ran off and hid from you... Uh-huh. But now we are thankful to see the condition you are in. Mm-hmm. you got to rub it in a little bit. <laughs> Once again, it's the comeuppance that they like so much about this. The ensuing winter, there were more weddings, feastings, and frolics than I had ever seen before. The people would be together and how they would tell of their troubles and trials. How they hid in the swamps. How some had been alarmed in the night. What scampering they had done with women and children. The soldiers told of their battles and escapes. How the British had starved some of the prisoners to death because they would not enlist enlist with his good and gracious majesty. Upon the whole, there was a general rejoicing among our people that we had taken Lord Cornwallis and Colonel Tarleton. Mm Mm-hmm. And we lived happily ever after. Happily ever after. (laughs) It's all gone 100% fantastically since. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. So that's a fun story there Uh with the the little details of your So did Cornwallis, uh, I mean, go back. I mean, you're going to lose. You're going to win some, you lose some. But did he go back and uh, retire? Was he done? Was he he considered? You know, I'm not really sure what became of him. Yeah. Uh, I do know that these British generals do tend to pop up in different places. Yeah. I know Benedict we'll Arnold, for example, yeah. lived to fight another day as a British officer yeah. way past this time. Well, so. he's a special case, though. He's a <laughs> <laughs> right. Be rough to be named Benedict. Well, maybe not. It's a cool-sounding name. You might could bring it there's back. There's some Benedicts. Yeah, there's some Benedicts <laughs> out there. Bring That's it true. back, yeah. Let's pay a few bills while we're at it. This part of the program is brought to you by Ball Brothers Company. Spaghetti? What's happened to yours, Mussolini? Gone to feed Nazi soldiers? Something's wrong with that picture, Mussolini. Maybe you did start out with ideals, but you got into bad company. We have spaghetti in America. Plenty of it. (laughs) We send some abroad to the United Nations. We also send great quantities of tomato juice, fruits, vegetables, meats, and still have enough left for the home front. Yes, it's a job. We've never tried to feed half the world before, and some equipment is lacking. 
Our food canning industry is taxed to the limit. But we have the finest women in the world, Mussolini. They're fighting this war with kettles and spoons, pressure cookers and home canning jars, preserving food at home, each for her own family. You see, it's not only means a low food cost and a balanced diet. <laughs> okay. It means that commercially canned foods can be loaded on hundreds of food ships for our fighting sons and brothers. That's typical of America, Mussolini. Yeah. This nation of weaklings. <laughs> Come over and learn a lesson. Yeah, we'll show you. Ball Brothers Company. Uh-huh. What are they selling? Canning jars. <laughs> yeah, and you've seen them, right? They say ball on the side. Uh, oh, ball, that's right. Yeah. They're all ball. Yeah. This is such a... Just a bitchy little ad, man. Am I wrong? Uh, attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll show you. So we got attitude in, in uh, all this stuff today, yeah. don't we? A little culturally insensitive in our terms. Eat your spaghetti, <laughs> Mussolini. But we have our own spaghetti. We don't need your spaghetti. Yeah, we've got plenty. We're going to feed the world with, with <laughs> Illinois plants. Yeah, we'll, uh, we've got enough food for you, us, yeah. and all the refugees, I guess they're like, plus the rest of the world. They're tapping into that hatred, that feeling, right? And then I guess maybe women read this like, are they trying to write the way that the women canning would see this and go, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stick it to them by, by buying like, more can. Yeah. yeah. I've been pressure cooking mm. my, you know, my apron off over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the way that's being written. I mean, they time. really wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yep, mid-40s. That's the mid-40s for you. Is bitchy like NPR uh, approved? It's probably uh, kind of that's okay. The, that's, that's the edge that we've gotten to. <laughs> that's the furthest edge ever. <laughs> Just keeps getting edgier until finally the plug is pulled. Yeah, well. And, and speaking of that, we have now turned to the final page of this chapter. Maybe the final page ever. Old Kentucky Tales never no, fails no, no, to no. return. No, 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 no. We're in our... T- listen, we're getting close to 100, though. Or not 100. We are 100. This is 100. I'm not going to let this moment pass. Okay. But it's over now. The point is, big... We're doing... We're coming up with something big for the end of our 10th season. Don't know yeah. what it is yet. The official 100 Right. Episode. So it'll be the end... Yeah, we're coming up on the the end of 10 seasons of this stuff. Did you think that we would just keep doing it and doing it and doing it? You did, right? I don't, I don't know. I, I guess you don't like, really think about having an end point, even well, though everything ends. Why would we end? Right. right. Let's do 1,000. <laughs> if we get to 1,000, that's going to be something, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can download all 1,000 episodes on iTunes or the NPR One app. There's a lot of other places, too, if you, just, if you look uh, hard enough for it. It's not hard to find. Don't say that. <laughs> Plus, they're listening well, now. I mean, I mean, the other kinds of, uh-huh. of, of uh, they apps just want, and things. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and sometimes you can search around for those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If uh, you didn't like what you heard, <laughs> then I'm sure you didn't make it this far at all. Special thanks to WKMS, our producer, Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design, mm-hmm. West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs>